Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks Season 2, Episode 7. The big one. <laughs> We're finally here. <laughs> the, <laughs> the big reveal. Yes. And we have a special guest because we can't do such a climactic episode without our Twin Peaks watching buddy, Josh Waller's back with us. <laughs> Hello, I'm back <laughs> again. And yes, we both had to watch episode. this with Christian so that we could minutely watch his face as the killer was revealed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let me just say on podcast record, I did change my answer from the correct mm-hmm. one to the incorrect one. But I did tell Maya that right before we watched it. And she can vouch for me that I am changing it back. <laughs> and I was technically correct. So. Yeah, you stepped out of the room and she said to me, he has been exactly right until now. <laughs> <laughs> I was very upset that I changed my answer and that I was swayed by filmmakers and story runners. And... Uh, you yeah. should know better. <laughs> well, I will vouch that he definitely said, no, I changed it back to Leland before the episode started. So... <laughs> That is true, but we're not going to allow that. <laughs> I was... You get it right or you don't. <laughs> I was thinking fair. that, like, you know, how smart you are compared to most of the people who watched it at the time, because I think Leland was pretty low on the list of suspects. But then I was also thinking uh-huh. that since Twin Peaks, of course, we've had so many shows that were inspired by Twin Peaks that maybe it's more uh, mm. easy for us to figure out at this point like yeah you know not as unthinkable <laughs> yeah and I think also reading the secret diary beforehand was a big help yeah just because he's so rarely ever mentioned in it but it's not like you know we get a plenty of her mother but we never get her father yeah so I think it's like a little bit easier to understand that Bob represented her father yeah it's very persuasion in that like a big empty mm-hmm. hole where we're not looking, but nobody's saying anything about it. It's like, well, right. that's where I want to look. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Plus, I do have a, I guess you can call it a skill to predict these things most of the time correctly <laughs> on these like little like mystery murder things. Josh oh, just made quite that. a face behind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Interesting. I don't think we've watched that many mystery <laughs> murder thingies, but... Yeah, only all of them. <laughs> only all of them. See, I make a um, million I did guesses, the... and I'm bound to be right with one of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it could be A through Z, but we'll see. Well, you know, I would also... I was thinking going into this episode, you know, I haven't watched the last few. We watched the season two premiere together, and I think that's the only one I've seen, you know, lately. Right. So... Going into this episode, knowing from previous viewing that Leland is the killer, I remember thinking, you know, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> right, I know, right? I was like checking myself, Mabel. Do you? Sorry, um, <laughs> but I, um, I was thinking about how, in retro- remembering the first time I watched it, was I shocked that Leland was the killer? And I, and that's what I was thinking, like, you know, there's no, nothing that shows that he's the killer, the obvious killer, you know? So that's why nobody would guess him. But so we're sitting down and we watch the episode and the very first time we see Leland in this episode, he is being so 
weird and i'm like what wait come on is it is it not obvious at this point that he is the killer you know and it's hard to remember what i thought the first time i saw this you know years ago well it actually gave me a little bit of like like i don't know i felt good about it the fact that you changed your guess to ben horn Mm -hmm. because i'm like well then it's Mm -hmm. working the show is doing what it's trying to do is put that suspicion in your head and not give it away and oh, I can't wait to get into it because I was working on the last two episodes that we're going to be doing after this. And I have to say, between seven and nine of season two of Twin Peaks feels in my memory as it being like six episodes long. Because so <laughs> much stuff happens in these three episodes. <laughs> and I think there's definitely an argument to be made that these are like the three best continuous episodes of Twin Peaks. But... we'll see as we go but i just watching them all i was like god so much happens it's like so crazy and i just remember it feeling like it took a lot longer than just three episodes for all of this stuff to go down (laughs) i'm excited yeah to see (laughs) what else is gonna happen because i feel like we're only just getting really introduced to like the supernatural element Mm -hmm. Uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more, like, just stated, obviously, as a supernatural element and not, like, some kind of, like, you know, directing flourishes or, you know, just Mm -hmm. weird clue-type puzzles to be solved. They're like, these are actually autonomous beings (laughs) that live and can, you know, possess people. And that'll definitely come in more the next couple episodes, but... Yeah, this, oh God, so much. Do you have any specific first impressions from this one? Well, I can't remember if it was in the very beginning of the episode, but I knew, like, even if I didn't know that we were going to get the killer revealed on this episode, I knew it would be a serious episode because we had the log lady come in. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like every time she's around, it's like a very pivotal, interesting moment Mm -hmm. at the very least. But I could, you could just tell, like, they did a great job with, like, kind of making the feel of the episode really tense. And, like, just the scenes with when Maddie was saying that she was going to leave and you could just feel like something was off. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I really, really, I thought it was a, you know, a great episode. It's a great reveal. Like, even, you know, if I was technically able to guess it, it was still very satisfying because of the way... Of A, the way they shot it, because it was so I'm sorry, I'm cool not to... laughing at you. I just want to point out that Mabel is snorting into the microphone, just for our listeners to know that there's not our, our own little gremlin. She's... She's our gremlin, a podcast gremlin. <laughs> she is the most frequent special guest yes. of yes. Madness. <laughs> it might be a little more prominent today, so... Just, uh, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, she de- she demanded to face the microphone with her. Yeah, there she goes. Enough. <laughs> She's doing it on purpose. This isn't even a. Okay, sorry, I did not mean to hurt uh, you. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I was just saying, like, it was just a really great moment. The reveal in the way they shot it with that like mirror shot mm, of mm-hmm. um, it was really scary and just the entire. I guess you could say like sequence of him and Maddie was very like, it was just really interesting and it made it kind of like a pivotal moment of the series. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't realize 
until now that this was a David Lynch directed episode and it's very clear. Mm. <laughs> it feels very mm -hmm. David Lynch from the beginning. Oh yeah. From the first shot of the episode in which he's in it actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> it reminded me of, um, is it the cowboy and the Frenchman? Uh-huh. That oh, yeah, scene yeah, yeah. of, because <laughs> okay. they were just all, it was like one shot and they were all just like lined up. Yes, yes. Um, just talking <laughs> and, you know, being dumb. <laughs> yeah, it was very cute. Um, Josh, do you remember the first time you saw this one? I, no, I don't. I, I And that's what I was say, uh, saying earlier. It's like, I, I wish I could remember how I felt when I saw this episode, but I, you know, my, I have the worst memory about, <laughs> you know, stuff like this. I, I, I and you, you, hearing you talk about getting excited about eight and nine, I'm like, well, dang, should I guest on the next two <laughs> so I can watch those? And because I don't really remember what happened, I, I and I think in general for me, season one I remember vividly, but season two is where it gets really foggy for me. Even though I know the you know the important bits and yeah, you know, I guess I need to. I probably should make a point to rewatch all these episodes since <laughs> y'all are watching them anyway yeah gotta follow along with the Might podcast well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm busy <laughs> i got a lot going on um i was trying to remember back to the first time i saw this and i do know i was like really curious who the killer was gonna be and i i'm sure that i did not guess it was gonna be leland i really can't remember who i thought it was gonna be i don't know if i had like a a specific guess like I was kind of young so I probably wouldn't have trusted my guess anyway but yeah I mean watching it now it's definitely scary <laughs> it's very scary Ugh. and yeah it was it was it was a great reveal I know they didn't want to reveal it but I think they did it the best way they could <laughs> yeah yeah and I think they kind of it was still like a big moment it wasn't it didn't feel rushed to me at least no no let me ask you um you twin peaks researchers you like do you think cheryl lee was you know taking into account this whole you know we know they didn't want to end the season at that point but you know the network was forcing them to do it do you think they continue to have sh they had plans to continue to have cheryl lee be on the season and writing Maddie out of the story justified revealing Leland at that moment? Well, I don't know for sure. I haven't read any specific research on that point, but I know that David Lynch really loved Cheryl Lee and that's why he wrote yeah. that part in for her. And he was the one who least wanted the killer to be revealed. So I'm guessing he probably didn't want her to be gone forever. Right. And you know, after that he made Firewalk with me with her as the star, but. Right, yeah. I knew he liked her because of the whole writing Maddie in because yeah. he enjoyed her as an actress. That So that's why I was like, I remember just thinking like, gosh, there's still so much more of the story and Maddie is dying. But, you know, maybe it's one of those justified killings that happen in these kind of shows. I mean, I wish she had you. stayed around because there are mm -hmm. definitely some storylines that are coming up in the second season that probably would have benefited from a little Maddie <laughs> integration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I I haven't we haven't watched I haven't watched ahead, but do I'm assuming we get more Cheryl Lee as Laura in was it the Red Room? Um, yeah, we we might definitely, yeah, I think that's definitely because I 
I would assume so. I mean, I would assume that that sort of scene would not just be a one-off. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> oh, there's going to no. be more of that. Yeah, there is. There is for sure. So yeah, I'm pretty sure she does show up in the Red Room scenes that happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't remember how many there are in the future. I know that there is a major one, but I don't want to, mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad we've gotten past the major spoiler, but I still don't want to like, give anything <laughs> away, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is a relief <laughs> to not have to be like, I mean, you can look it up, but just be very careful when you're making notes. <laughs> <laughs> I did when I was looking at notes. And I was looking at like some of like the extra stuff and, and like bright red letters on almost everything. It was like spoilers, spoilers, spoilers <laughs> for the episode. Yeah. So, but yeah, luckily none of that has to be spoiled anymore. That's nice. It's nice that the Twin Peaks fandom as a whole does not feel the need to spoil stuff. I'm sure there's plenty of people who watch Twin Peaks who are happy to spoil stuff, but like pretty sure the yeah. fandom is like, no, we want everyone to experience it in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an anti-spoiler person. I like to be, I just, I don't like spoilers. I like to experience it and have a like very like natural reaction to it. Yeah, that's understandable. And just makes it <laughs> less fun. I mean, I just only say that because I am constantly like, no, tell me the entire plot of this thing. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of the opposite where you're just like, oh, just tell me everything. Yeah. I'll forget it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, but we should probably just go ahead and get into notes. <laughs> sure. All right. So notes for episode two, uh, season two, episode seven. <laughs> it premiered on November 10th, 1990. Mm. It was directed by David Lynch. What are you going to say? No, I was just thinking, usually... Most at that time, the uh, most shows would take like a Christmas break, and I was wondering mm -hmm. if they got all three of these episodes in before the Christmas break. Yes, they did. Okay, I was looking at my. They get up to apparently they get up to episode eleven, and then they took a break. Oh wow! Directed by David Lynch, and this episode was written by Mark Frost. Yeah. So it the OG feels like the <laughs> original. I wouldn't expect yeah. anything else. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> We're such a pivotal episode. We we only had one new character and it, uh, uh, like, I guess, you know what you could say, and that was Julie Cruz as the singer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so shocked um, that she hadn't shown up before because I yeah, feel I don't like think she's she has. a huge part of Twin Peaks, but I mean, maybe I mean, we'll see how much she's really in it because my memory is that she's in the entire thing all the time, but... <laughs> <laughs> Has she really not been seen in the first season? I mean, we definitely hear so. her singing, I believe. Right. I could have sworn maybe she wasn't credited. No, I don't um, think we I, I could have sworn. I might be wrong. We haven't spent that much time at the Roadhouse, and I don't think we've seen any live acts. But I do know David That's Lynch true. in the future will use the Roadhouse and live performances as a major part of season three. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that it's showing up here. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll see more of her. But then we had we had some returning people that we haven't seen in a while. We had Gary Hirschberger as Mike, who I was, was back glad finally. To see him back. <laughs> yes, Carol Strykin as the giant. Mm -hmm. um, Hank Warden as the waiter, the old waiter. The old waiter. I kept calling him Senior Drill Cup uh, in the notes, and so <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what his name is, and that's the only thing I've ever heard him called. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we had Frank Silva as Bob again. Mm. <sighs> scary, scary, Mabel. scary. I kept feeling bad for him during this episode and being like, you know, for someone who felt weird about playing Bob, who I guess he was an actor, kind of, but he was obviously mm-hmm. not a, like, super actor, actor, since he was mostly a prop guy. Right. <laughs> Just like how weird it must be from that point on to be like, well, now I'm everyone's idea of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the most terrifying evil villains ever. I, you know, I know I'm not one to speak because I don't like scary things, but Frank Silva as Bob is like the scariest thing to me of all time. Like he just creeps me out anytime I see him. And I know I told you that the scene where Maddie sees him crawling over the couch, you know, which I think it was an iconic scene. That is like the single scariest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. That is not an opinion a lot of people will share, but. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you don't need all that horror movie extra. All you need is yeah. a guy with gray hair and a jean jacket Brilliant who actor. can pull off yeah. very freaky mythological creature, whatever he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then some like little trivia things that I have. The song at the end called The World Spins was written by David Lynch, of course. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And when this first, when this episode was first broadcast, it was watched by 17.2 million households, which was 20% of the available audience, which was pretty crazy. (laughs) I'm surprised it wasn't more, honestly. This was like the event of. 1991 or whatever year this is. It's 1991, right? Right. Uh, yeah, 1990. Oh, 1990. Wow. <laughs> yes. But even so, like, that's a fifth of all TV watchers in the whole country. So that's still pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's hometown, Missoula, is actually David Lynch's birthplace. So it's his hometown. Yes. <laughs> It's a great name, too. Yes, Missoula. Missoula. Maddie's murder sequence uh, was filmed in three different ways, so as not to spoil who the real killer was. Yeah. It was filmed once with Frank Silva as Bob, once with Leland, and then once with Ben Horn. What I wouldn't give to see a little clip of the Ben Horn version. (laughs) Yeah, I would, yeah, because, like, I feel like you can't just shoot just the sequence of that murder, you have to shoot something to explain him getting there. Well, I'd like so I feel to like see there's... him looking in the mirror and seeing Bob at the very least. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. But so technically, I wasn't that far off by. Well, obviously, you know, it was definitely the number first. one person they were trying to pin right. it on. <laughs> right. Apparently, they had suggested, actually, the actor Lenny Von Dolan, who plays Harold, had apparently called David Lynch the night before. And uh, as a possible idea for a rewrite for his death scene, that instead of him being found hanging, that there would be like a sound of like a hissing gas and that the camera would reveal all of his organs were slumped over with his body kind of like near it. So almost like maybe like some sort of gas poisoning or something. And obviously, since it was the night before, they couldn't do it. But apparently, David left him a voicemail saying, Lenny, never come up with a great idea the night before a shoot. (laughs) So if it was not the night before, he probably would have done it. That would have been really cool. So Harold's suicide note read, I don't know how to say that. Do you know how to say that? Is that French or is that Latin? (laughs) Solitaire. J'ai une M. Solitaire. Solitaire. 
It's French. Solitaire, yeah. Means Okay, which translates to, I have a lonely soul. Yes. Which is apparently exactly what Mrs. Tremont's grandson had said to Donna in episode nine. Yes. <laughs> so they're definitely part of the game. I think we might, <laughs> we might, there's some more about that. So we'll definitely piece all that together in the okay. recap. <laughs> yes. I found some stuff about a lot of critics were saying how the Maddie's murder scene was like, how like, not graphic, but just how like daunting it was. And just how like, I don't know, like it seemed like there was a lot of like air around it being very, just very violent. And I feel like, I don't know if it's just because of stuff we see on TV nowadays and that I grew up with that was a lot more violent and a lot more graphic. There, I feel like at the time period, there was definitely like, a lot of moms against bad television and music and mm. stuff uh, like that. Okay. And Twin Peaks, you know, just came in like this whirlwind and had this whole new sensibility that wasn't right. definitely not on network TV. And so it probably was a very like Harry Potter feeling backlash of like people being like, what am I watching? Okay. What is happening? Why are you watching this, children? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. Because I uh, I remember reading that David said that he would that they would write every episode and they wouldn't take any sort of outside influence or criticism before completing the episode. That they would just write it and then they would be ready to defend it so that it would hopefully be able to be aired in its full whatever. Yes, I was actually just reading because I found my copy of The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Which, when uh -huh. we covered it, I couldn't, uh, all my books were packed. And we were talking about The Forward by David Lynch and Mark Frost in there. Mm -hmm. So I was reading that today to see if it had any relevance. And Mark Frost talked a lot about how he now looks back and doesn't think that they should have revealed the killer so soon. Mm -hmm. But it seems like maybe at the time he agreed with the <laughs> networks or was more willing to say, okay, sure, let's do it. Yeah. But... He also said that the first season, they recorded the whole thing before anybody saw it. You know, it was never released mm -hmm. before they finished filming it. And it was like this perfect little bubble where they could just make something that they wanted. And they went into the second season thinking, we're going to we're gonna do our best to not compromise as much as possible. You know, like right. keep our vision and our... And David Lynch was just very... Thank you to the Twin Peaks fans and to Jennifer Lynch. Mm -hmm. and... <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. And so I guess it was very, like, especially with this episode, since it was such an important one, like, he was very much like, it needs to be released as it is. But apparently when it was rerun on the Bravo Network, which is where they started doing the Log Lady intros and everything, when Leland starts to, I guess you could say, strangle Maddie when she has those, like, choking noises, they just put the Bravo logo in black over the entire scene. What? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Did they not play the sound or I, anything? I don't know. It just says that the Bravo logo appeared on the screen. But then, it, of course, now it feels like as if they're applauding. Bravo's cowards. Because they're like, Bravo! <laughs> 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 and apparently the only people who knew the real killer were Mark Frost, David Lynch, and then Jennifer Lynch, because she had to have that be an influence on The Secret Diary. Yeah. I think I read something about, like, maybe... Mm, couple of the writers like maybe Bob Ingalls and Harley Payton and mm -hmm. Mark Frost, David Lynch and obviously the people who filmed it. <laughs> right. They all knew. But yeah, I mean the fact that they went 
out of their way to film a fake ending just to try to throw people off feels very like something you would do today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do with the, the Drag Race finale is they film oh, all really? three people winning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they film everyone winning and then they don't reveal it until they air it. Yeah. I wonder how many things had had that level of like secrecy that they had to do that before this point. Yeah. I wish Mar would. <laughs> You're doing the long way to your intro, right? Yeah, that's all I have left. Okay. All right. A poem as lovely as a tree. As the night wind blows, the bows move and to and fro. The rustling, the magic rustling that brings on the dark dream. The dream of suffering and pain. Pain for the victim, pain for the inflictor of pain. A circle of pain, a circle of suffering. Woe to ones who behold the pale horse. <sighs> Can you hear the thunder? <laughs> rumbling yeah. ominously behind me <laughs> <laughs> i remember because this was one of the episodes that we actually watched together so we could watch log lady intro and i just remember after we watched that i was like this is gonna be a dark episode <laughs> <laughs> it's scary oh, and she shows up in this one which is very exciting she does <laughs> did they did they build this episode like in commercials or whatever for it? Like as the episode where Laura's killer was revealed? Yes. They were making a big oh. deal about that. Yeah. You're right. So that's why I felt okay being like, Christian, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody else knew too. So you're fine. <laughs> All right. I'm still on track. You're not special. <laughs> All right. Well, are we ready for the recap? Yes. Sure. Okay. Episode 7, Lonely Souls. All right, we start off with Huck, Gordon Cole, Cooper, Philip Gerard, Mike, and Andy all standing in a line at the station drinking coffee. This is like the crack of dawn, I believe. Maybe even pre-dawn. Mm -hmm. Harry comes in with his own cup. And they're all about to go to the Great Northern, a large house made of wood occupied by many different souls, we learned in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> they also have a warrant for Harold Smith's house. Uh, <laughs> they know about the diary Ooh. and connect it to the pages they found at the train tracks. And Gordon Cole is off to Bend, Oregon for some real hush hush business. <laughs> I'm like, don't give him hush hush business. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him the details. And then we see it's the great, we're at the Great Northern, and it is definitely the sun is just cracking the sky. Mike is looking around and declaring no to everyone who gets brought in front of him because <laughs> there's like a million. What are they? What's the convention there this time? Is this the Navy's it's like, already? Yeah, and they're all bouncing balls on the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the Navy, and they're all bouncing balls. That's right. And it's a very chaotic scene. Tajamora gets brought into in front of him and he's gets a no. Everybody's getting a no. Then he starts to yell and collapses as Ben comes in with his cigar, very angry, walking down the hallway, and it's very cacophonous at this moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so then we go to Harold's house. All the orchids are smashed. And Hawk comes in after no one answers the door and he sees Harold. He sees Harold, who has hung himself. Then we move over to the Palmer house. 
where we're listening to Louis Armstrong sing What a Wonderful World. Maddie tells the Palmers that it's time for her to go home to Missoula. She misses having a life of her own, and she says that she's going to drive home tomorrow. Leland seems understanding. <laughs> seems understanding. She promises to come <laughs> back and visit. <laughs> and they all love each other. And I was wondering, do you think it's Sarah's sister or brother who is Maddie's parents? Um, Because I don't think Leland had brothers and sisters. Y- yeah, I think so. Because I would... I would feel safe to bet that Bob targets only children because Laura was an only child. Yeah. And I would assume if Leland was, I mean, he never talks about siblings. So I I think it is maybe, I would say it's probably her mom's (laughs) like sibling. Yeah. I was just feeling very sorry for Sarah thinking about that. Like she probably loses her sister's relationship. After this. So anyway, we'll we'll get to that way more in future episodes. But so then, okay, the police are investigating Harold. They find a note on his body. Jeun am solitaire. I am a lonely soul. And then they say, good thing Andy wasn't here for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hawk finds Laura's diary, pay dirt. And the scene ends in the flash of light from a camera. Oh, and this is where I said, check episode six deep dive for the rest of the Herald theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right, right. This episode made me dislike Harold even more than I already did. <laughs> because, like, you're going to, like, first off, like, I don't know how many times I have to say this. Like, they're teenage girls. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to stop being obsessed with teenage girls. Just because a teenage girl lied to you doesn't mean that you need to be write a suicide note in French and hang yourself. And destroy and your also, entire life's work, all your orchids, all your diaries. <laughs> yeah, especially the diaries, which contain probably vital information to a girl that was murdered. Yeah. Another teenage girl that you had an inappropriate <laughs> relationship with, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so at the Johnson house, Bobby and Shelly are going over the bills. After expenses, she's left with $42 for the month. <laughs> Bobby is already trying to get out of his responsibilities. (laughs) She says she wants him to take the necklace back and get the money. And she feels like he's blaming her for something because she's just like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, I'm not going to stay here. She's like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) Bobby knows that Leo had money somewhere though. Leo starts making this groaning noise and they scream. (laughs) And then he says, new shoes. (laughs) 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 and they realize they have to go get the pair of shoes that he had repaired last week i said leo is funny and creepy (laughs) (laughs) both at the same time with his little spitting (laughs) new shoes (laughs) (laughs) okay so then we see audrey confronting ben about one-eyed jacks she says she knows about everything including laura she tells him that she was Prudence, and he looks shook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the Audrey I've missed. Yes. <laughs> he says that he owned he's owned it for five years. He did know that Laura worked there, but he says he didn't encourage her. He admits that he slept with her, though, 
And then she Oof. asks if he killed her, and he says he loved her. And I said, thank God Audrey is back. <laughs> <laughs> She's asking the real questions. Yeah. Oh, how just gross. I know. Oof. I know. Yeah, in the diary, we learn from Laura's perspective that she got this horse when she was 13, and she thought it was from her dad, but she finds out when she's like 16 that it was actually from Ben Horn. And it gives her this weird, like, creepy feeling. And he's always, like, super nice to her and sets, him, sets her on his knee and kind of is the reason mm -hmm. that the relationship was not great with Audrey is because of this whole weird thing with Ben. And anyway, it's very gross. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Shelly is talking to Norma at the double R. And this is such a great scene. I feel like it's acted yeah. beautifully by both of them. She breaks down, telling her that she needs to quit for a little while. Norma is very understanding, as she is wont to be at all times. <laughs> Queen. She assures Shelly that she'll be fine and that she'll have a job waiting for her when she's ready. Such a sweet scene. <laughs> mm, it is. But then Norma and Ed come in. <laughs> Nadine. Nadine. Oh, Nadine. I'm sorry. I wrote the wrong name. Too many end names. <laughs> Ed and Nadine come in. She wants to know how long Norma's been working there. <laughs> it's like, it's only six weeks. <laughs> Norma is very confused because I guess she hasn't gotten the memo on what's up with Nadine. <laughs> Shelly is also confused when she asks her if she goes to school with her. <laughs> uh, Nadine thinks her parents took her to Europe and are still there. <laughs> and she wants, to know, she wants to know that there are no hard feelings with Norma. And Nadine, in her happiness, explodes the shake glass <laughs> and starts <laughs> bleeding. <laughs> all over the place it's just like dripping blood and milkshake off of her Ugh. hands and she tries to kiss ed to death <laughs> she's like i could kiss you to death and then she tries and yeah. ed looks like he's being kissed to death <laughs> and all we see are the remnants of a bloody milkshake on the counter gross oh and i and of course i'm thinking about it from the actor standpoint like gross stuff all over you or trying to like not get gross stuff on you yeah. i was like Ugh, i noticed when she kissed ed she still tried not to touch him yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and then we go we see uh, bopper and snake back together again <laughs> bobby and mike come into shelly's house <laughs> hi mike long time no see seriously Bobby has Leo's shoes. He gets a hammer. They pull off the sole of the boot. And inside, they find a little micro answering machine tape. I was like, oh, micro tapes. I almost forgot those things existed. <laughs> I didn't know those existed. <laughs> um, I didn't because as recently as like maybe seven or eight years ago, we used them at my office oh, yeah? for, you know, legal dictation. <laughs> oh, and that God. is the word, like that was a triggering image for me. <laughs> I was just putting some stuff today and I have like a few cassette tapes that I still keep for some reason. And I was like, man, <laughs> these things, I don't even have a player for them anymore. <laughs> okay. So then we go to the sheriff's department 
Cooper is talking to Diane about the pieces of Laura's diary he found. It's been mutilated. Thanks a lot, Harold. Oh, yeah, that was part of it was that the theory was that because he went outside, Bob could see him. So I don't know if the theory encompassed the fact that maybe Bob destroyed the diary, but... I could see that. (laughs) But I... I mean, I don't really like Harold that much, so I don't really think he needs some supernatural <laughs> excuse. No, for yeah, his no. Death, but, um, <laughs> so, okay, in the diary, she's referenced Bob since she was very young. She described him as a friend of her father's, which I do not remember reading at all in the diary. You don't? I remember. Do you? I, I It sounded familiar when she said it. Well... I just don't remember her referring to Bob as a friend of her father's. I do remember her wondering if they could have been or if they knew each other because she's like, how could he be coming to my house if he didn't know my, like, if if he wasn't yeah. friends with my parents? It might be something like where she was thinking about it and she said, oh, maybe he, he must be a friend of my dad's if that's the case well. or something like that. <laughs> it sounded familiar to me. Yeah, okay. It's probably just my memory. She also referenced the entry that I do remember about telling the world about Ben Horn. Uh, yep, I do. <laughs> yep, definitely remember that one. Then Audrey comes in wearing all black and a pink skirt. <laughs> she tells Cooper that her father was sleeping with Laura and that he owns One-Eyed Jacks. Cooper tells her that she can't say a word to anyone. And he makes the connection between Ben coming in and the one arms. <laughs> One armor, the one armor's reaction <laughs> when he came in, and then he orders the arrest of Ben. Okay, so then we go to the Great Northern. Ben is telling Tajamora that Jerry checked his references, and Ben says the answer to his proposal is a big thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and just then, the police come in. They tell him that he's wanted for questioning in the murder of Laura Palmer, and Ben wants to know if it's all some sort of sick joke. And then he tells them to leave, and they forcefully handcuff him and drag him out. (laughs) Tajamora is left contemplative. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then we get the empty living room of the Palmer's house. There's a record spinning, but no music is playing. And then we see Sarah dragging herself down the stairs, calling for Leland. Something is definitely wrong, and we see the fan spinning. <laughs> Ugh, this is scary. I know. Were you at that point like, what? What, did, what were you thinking when you saw that? <laughs> well, I couldn't. I I don't know because I never watched it. But I was like, oh, I wonder if if uh, she is going to be killed by Bob because she has this connection. She's seen Bob a couple times. Uh huh. And so, and she, I'm, I think we've stated before that everyone who's in the Palmer house is considered the damned. So yep, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, I thought, I, I knew, I was like, oh, something's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's so ominous, but it's like, what is going on? <laughs> okay. And then they bring Ben into the sheriff station. And actually, I think, I don't know if this is going to continue, but for this episode in the next two, we actually see some other people who work at the sheriff's station in the background <laughs> because yeah, we, we see a random officer working at Lucy's desk and then a log in someone's arm comes into view. 
Cooper and Harry turn and talk to Margaret. <laughs> she says, we don't know what will happen or when, but there are owls in the roadhouse. Something is happening. <laughs> then we see some blue clouds over the moon. And we see Pete in his kitchen in the dark. And he hears something. In, the, in pitch black. <laughs> I was like, why is it so dark? <laughs> I know. I was like, poor Pete. He's all alone now. <laughs> he turns and runs into Tajamora, who grabs him and kisses him. And... <laughs> or maybe he just holds him right there. But um, he says, I've been strangely attracted to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts speaking in Catherine's voice. Yay! <laughs> and Pete, in his most adorable fashion, breaks into a grin and tells her that she looks terrible. <laughs> and then he hugs her and starts crying. It's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Sweet Pete. Pete's the best. Yeah. He also had a very gentlemanly response to being kissed by a supposed <laughs> man. <laughs> yes. I can't remember exactly what he says. Do you remember? No. It's <laughs> something like, hey, you. Like, <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't appreciate that or something like right. that. And then that's when she says my favorite line where she was like, it's me, you big dummy. <laughs> such just like a little tantalizing hint of what may be coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say Christian found learned this spoiler ahead of time. So yes. we've been kind of like <laughs> not mentioning it, but mentioning it, but not really saying it out loud. But yay, we finally know. She's not Tajamura yes. for very long. So we don't have to <laughs> yeah. wonder. It's not a huge thing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then we see Sarah dragging herself through the living room. And then she sees a white horse apparate in front of her. And I was thinking of Laura's horse, even though her horse, I can't remember its name right now, Troy, is not white, yeah. I don't believe. but I didn't think so either. Yeah, I think when me and Chelsea did the secret spoiler sister talk or whatever we did for Secret Diary. Um <laughs> We talked about the horse and how there's like this horse that appears in Twin Peaks, but is it related mm -hmm. to the horse from Secret Diary? We weren't sure. I don't know. I The reason I also thought that Sarah was going to die is like the last line from the Log Lady intro is, woe to ones who behold the pale horse. Yeah. And so she sees the horse. But then I also thought I was like, is like maybe Bob uses this horse as a kind of like an omen or like a precursor for him showing up because you could, I guess you could argue that Laura's horse, Troy was that precursor and that, cause he's, he was with her the whole time when she had Troy. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to think just from future stuff that the horse might appear when someone is drugged, but because, Interesting. yeah. So I, I'm not really a hundred percent on that one, but I did wonder if Sarah knew who the killer was if she was even there for the filming i know that she's sprawled on the floor for the whole end scene but we don't actually see her with them ever so i was wondering right. maybe she didn't even know who the killer was herself <laughs> i don't think she did no 
Okay, so then we go. Oh, actually, the last little thing in that scene is Leland fixing his tie in the mirror as Sarah lays on the ground. We don't see him in the mirror. Yeah. We just see him fixing his tie in the mirror. So then we go to the roadhouse. The bang bang bar sign is reflected in a puddle. Very David Lynch <laughs> image. <laughs> you guys got the train in the background. I got the thunder. We have all of the David Lynch sound effects happening. <laughs> We're in Twin Peaks. <laughs> Inside the roadhouse, Julie Cruz is singing. Donna and James are there. They're, this is actually a pretty cute scene between them. They talk about Harold Smith. He was hurt inside, but James says everyone is hurt inside and it's not her fault. Which, good advice from you, James. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Truman, Cooper, and Margaret come in. James tells Donna Maddie is leaving because he had that conversation with her in the last episode. And then Donna lip syncs to James. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> so ridiculous. I did. I think I did make a comment. I was like, I prefer this over you and I, definitely. <laughs> uh, I love a good Roadhouse performance. The time passes. Bobby's at the bar as well. And as Cooper watches, the stage empties and the giant appears. And he says... It is happening again. <laughs> All right. <Ugh. sighs> okay, so then the record ends. Which was, didn't they use that that uh, quote as marketing for the Twin Peaks return? Oh, yeah. It yeah, is yeah. happening again. Yes. <laughs> it's a very quotable line from Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so back at the Palmer's house. The record, we see the record spinning still. Leland smiles at himself in the mirror and sees Bob staring back at him. And we know for sure. Then he turns towards the door and very slowly and very creepily puts on some gloves. Maddie calls down. She comes down the stairs saying, it smells like burning. And a bright light illuminates her face. And then she sees Sarah, and she looks up and sees Bob grinning maniacally at her. (laughs) He turns back to Leland and chases her upstairs. And we hear her screaming and then see in spotlight that Bob brings her back down the stairs and is choking her. He keeps cutting back and forth between Leland and Bob. And he punches her in the face. And then he chases her around and it, the movement and the sound get really slowed down to make it extra terrifying. <laughs> like he punches her again and then carries her gasping in a bear hug and calls her Laura almost like he's dancing with her. And then he calls her his baby. And we see Bob kissing her as he chokes her. And Leland is actually crying through this whole thing. At least this part. Then he says, Leland says you're going back to Missoula. And then he smashes her head into a painting and kills her, I guess, and inserts the letter O under her fingernail and she lies there bloody. Uh, Horrible. So sad. (laughs) That's one of those scenes you're like, I gotta write all the details, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's tough. It's a lot. Oh, it actually, 
looking back on it now, it's like, it's not that bad <laughs> compared to some of the stuff that we see nowadays. Oh, God. But like, yeah. it's still terrifying. And it just, I think it shows you don't need to go that extra mile. <laughs> No, yeah, scary. I did. I I think I did when uh when he all he did was hit her head into the picture and then she died. I was a little confused as to how she died, but I'm going to leave it <laughs> up to Bob being very Bobbish and yeah. very yeah. Yeah, and it seemed like she was like kind of choking throughout the whole scene, like she couldn't really breathe. So I don't know. It's television murder, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like we're. What's it? Twin Peaks where we're talking about people getting stabbed and like how unrealistic the stabbings, the stabbing deaths. Oh no, I think that was, that might have been Jane Austen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something, somebody gets something stabbed else. and died and we we're like, you wouldn't die from that stabbing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, anyway, last, last scene. We fade into the giant looking upset at the roadhouse and then he disappears. Julie Cruz comes back. And then Senior Drool Cup, or if we want to give him a better name, <laughs> the old man waiter, I don't know. Um, he comes over and tells Cooper that he is so sorry. And then Bobby looks up sad, and Donna starts to cry. James comforts her. And I actually choked up at that point. I was like, no, I want to cry. <laughs> it's a very affecting scene. Yeah. Cooper fades away and the red curtain appears as we go to the credits. Uh, what a great episode. Just beginning to end. It is. Excellent. It builds. It has a big payoff in the end. And it even has like a sat a moment where you can have a, like a cathartic moment after watching this. Mm. And yeah, it's yeah, it's like a perfect episode. <laughs> Well, it's just got all the Twin Peaks qualities. You know, it's got the weird supernatural stuff. It's got the scary Bob stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and then just such great acting from, from everyone. Yeah. Yeah, even like the little Shelly Norma scene is one of my favorite scenes in this whole episode. Yeah. It's just like this little, yeah. I'm telling you I'm not going to work here anymore. It's like, but you do it so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, wow. What's your favorite part? <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite scene is the scene at the roadhouse where the giant comes in. Mm-hmm. Was that yours? That was mine too. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, one of two. <laughs> um, but just that whole scene and then like, you know, the iconic line of it's happening again, it kind of gave me like chills. And I don't know, like it, it started made me think like, you know, what did she mean, like, by the owls are at the roadhouse or, and like, what are the owls? Are they like a deterrent? I was reading, some people were saying about the scene, like how the dichotomy of making a public space private by having the giant only focus in on Cooper and then making a private space public by us all watching Maddie get murdered by Bob. Yeah, And just how like, I don't know. I just feel like the duality of it was really cool. And I just really loved it. I love that scene. Yeah. Not the murder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. So you're just going to use that one too, Josh? Or do you have another one? Well, the other one is the opening scene with the boys all standing in a line. Because it's just a great composed shot, you know? Uh It's so funny just visually. But they're... 
And then what I love is like the, the quick shift in tone in it. Like it's, there's a, like a, I forget the background music, but there's like a real weird noise or creepy music playing. And they're telling, you know, they're having this like intense talk. And then Cooper just says something like completely, you know, <laughs> <laughs> completely uh, lighthearted or something. Not lighthearted, but it, just the it's tone like shift. Tone change. I wish I could remember the exact line. I remember laughing like in that moment. <laughs> Maybe I'm just psychotic and fine. No, I, Twin Peaks is so funny. I mean, David Lynch, I feel like everything he does is dark humor. So right. <laughs> he's got quite the sense of humor. But the scene with the giant, I mean, classic, just beautiful. So like, pre- yeah. uh, love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And it gets gives you that little taste of like weirdness that you've been mm. like, where is it? Yeah. <laughs> I need more of this. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just wait till the return. <laughs> all I, I want to say, I give a shout out for all the little scenes. You know, I already said the Shelly and Orma scene is one of my favorites. Nadine breaking that glass is so weird and creepy and interesting. When uh, Ben, when Catherine reveals herself to Ben, I love that mm-hmm. little scene. Not Ben, uh, Pete. <laughs> God. Yeah, and of course. The murder is like a thing that you'll never forget. <laughs> and mm. all the stuff of the roadhouse is great too. I like seeing Bobby and Donna just start weeping when it happens and not knowing why, but knowing that they're affected. And it's kind of the same thing that happened when Laura died and they all kind of knew without being told. Yeah. And yeah, this is a great episode, A plus episode, starting a great three episode run. <laughs> Yeah, and you were naming all those little scenes, and like a few more just popped into my head. I mean, it's literally like every scene is. I mean, Shelly and Bobby fighting with Leo sitting there. I think is a great scene. Mm -hmm. I think you know, Madkin Amick is just yeah, such a great actress. (laughs) Oh, and also Audrey interrogating Ben. Yes. Oh Oh, my god! Great, great. (laughs) (laughs) So many good scenes. As the log lady, I just. Even yeah. just her shoveling peanuts in her mouth in that road yes. <laughs> It's like, have you not eaten in a while? <laughs> oh, uh, such a great episode. All right. Here, here. Are we ready for the deep dive? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> It probably won't be that long because I knew we were going to talk about this episode a lot, so I gave us a little short deep dive to do. The log line is, the giant tells Cooper it is happening again and Maddie Ferguson is killed. (laughs) Change the point. Yeah. Okay, so I have already said that. Yeah, Bob Ingalls said only five people knew Leland was the killer, so I guess he was one of them. We already talked about how they filmed the scene three times. But I did read in the Twin Peaks Unwrapped book that Cheryl Lee was interviewed and she said that it was a really long, very adrenaline-filled day. And so she didn't really realize how much her body was getting beat up by the whole thing. And she said the next day when she tried to get out of bed is when she realized how hard that scene was on her body to film or yeah, to shoot. But she said she really trusted everyone involved. 
And Ray Wise said that they would laugh in between takes to try to keep their sanity. Because <laughs> she had to film that scene three times that day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. Ray Wise said he was very sad to be the killer. He had a two-year-old daughter at the time, and it really bothered him, the idea of killing his daughter. Oh. You know, the character. And he even thought of not doing it, just being like, I refuse. But David <laughs> Lynch explained what would happen eventually to Leland and told him it was going to be a beautiful thing. And it, he convinced him because I'm sure David Lynch could probably convince anyone of anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Richard Beamer was very happy to not be the killer because he was like, I don't want to be <laughs> off the show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the deep dive I did was on Philip Gerard, AKA Mike, AKA the one arm man, AKA the one armor. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a trading card and his birthday is february 6 1938 which makes him an aquarius okay so i have a little bit about aquarius and i have a couple of other ones as well that we can choose from because you know there's a lot of choices for him <laughs> Yeah, I guess they're generally like very rational believers and it's very hard to get them to change their mind. And, oh, I think this is talking about, I was looking up like the religious aspects, like people who are faithful because Mike is like on this crusade and he had like this religious right. epiphany. So, yeah, so that's, okay, That now I'm, now I'm putting in context, I understand what I was trying to write. Okay, so Aquarius <laughs> is a sign that is generally non-believers and it's extremely hard to make them change their mind about that. And they need to come to faith naturally without help from the outside. And they can become religious only if a personal experience has led them to it. So that does sound appropriate. And then of course we have Sagittarius. <laughs> Talk about yeah. religious beliefs and Sagittarius always comes up. They are very enthusiastic in religious manners, matters. <laughs> Atheists try to avoid discussions with people like Sagittarius. <laughs> Sagittarius can cite you so many statements from the holy book of their religion, and it will be really hard to stop them. So I feel like that is kind of too, like, I feel like they're dedicated, and mm -hmm. he is as well. And then we have Taurus. Taurus is a sign that can be really f fanatical about something, including religion. Their faith isn't about harmony of ratio and belief. If they believe in something, they do it fully or they don't do it at all. You will find Taurus being a fanatic about belief or a complete atheist. I feel like they all could mm. be him. I kind of like Sagittarius, but also yeah. Aquarius. And like, you have to have your own personal experience to make you a believer or whatever. But yeah, I like those two the best. And I, what I liked about Sagittarius for him is he felt like he was very knowledgeable about everything because he yeah. was like Bob before and then he had this change and he just the way that he was saying how you know his mission now is to stop Bob I feel like he would be very knowledgeable of everything that needs to be done and oh yeah and he's definitely always citing his religious texts <laughs> aka yeah, poems yeah. about fire <laughs> right <laughs> so I would say yeah uh, maybe like Sagittarius and the first one he said was Aquarius yeah. Yeah. I think those two are like a blend of those would probably be the best. Yeah, I agree. In my opinion. I agree. Yeah, me too. 
And for D&D, &D, I actually have two because I feel like as Philip Gerard, he's one thing and as the one-armed man, he's a different thing. But yeah. I kind of have him as either neutral neutral or like chaotic neutral that was once chaotic evil. But I don't really know. This one, I feel like it's hard because like he, he didn't ever, he didn't really go into his revelation. Like, is it a revelation of like good versus evil or is it revelation on just what Bob's like maybe mission quote unquote is? Cause I, if it's like a good versus evil thing then I would say that he would probably be like maybe a chaotic good even cause he's on this mission to stop Bob. Yes. I mean, I definitely think he started off as chaotic evil, him and Bob. Yeah, Both definitely. chaotic evil in the beginning. Yeah, maybe he's now chaotic good. That, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I guess I did, I, maybe we can just say chaotic neutral just to kind of play like the middle because we're not really sure why he's trying That's to stop true. Bob. That's true. <laughs> we don't know if he has really good <laughs> motivations. <laughs> right. <laughs> he did, yeah, he's just told us that he's had this epiphany and that he needs to stop him. So for all we know, it could be for more nefarious reasons. Yeah. Let's go with chaotic neutral. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> this is our first one. What do you think, yeah, Josh? I concur. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you, well, you know me, the D&D categorization is like my brain can't wrap itself around that. Yeah. Okay, um... We're getting better at it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very much so. I, that's why I was like, yeah, I like, I agree with exactly what Christian said. As you should. Okay. Right. He <laughs> also told me if I agree. didn't, he would murder me in my sleep. So I would spin you around the room and throw you into a painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that would never happen. I'm familiar with your upper body strength. Yes. You know. It's not very good. Josh would never <laughs> just die without a struggle. <laughs> no. 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 That was my other complaint. Oh, yeah. I did, I did <laughs> want to mention that the whole time we were watching it, you're like, could you pick up something and fight back? But, um. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm just going to, the burning smell maybe was something to kind of throw her off. Maybe that's what I'm just going to assume. <laughs> yeah. I think when like someone who you know and trust comes at you and suddenly is killing you, you're like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're confused. <laughs> but also like she committed the, you know, the worst felony in filmed murder scenes. Like don't run up the stairs. Why do you run oh, yeah. up the stairs? You have nowhere else to go. But you know, to your point, her uncle, <laughs> why would she, you know, oh, but she saw Bob. Yeah, no, it makes no sense. She should have run out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Grab the lamp. Uh, but whatever. Yeah, grab the lamp. That's That was the most easily accessible bludgeoning weapon. Throwable thing. <laughs> <laughs> but we all know now, if we're ever put in a situation, grab something, <laughs> throw it. Yes. <laughs> don't go upstairs. Don't go upstairs. Go outside. <laughs> <laughs> but don't run into the woods if you're in Twin Peaks. No, <laughs> not the woods. Well, do we have any final thoughts on this episode? Or have we already said them all because I feel like yeah. <laughs> I've said so much. <laughs> I feel like the only thing I have is that I feel like this episode kind of solidifies why there is like a Twin Peaks fandom, like such mm. a strong fan uh, base behind it. Just because it, it was almost a complete like perfect episode of television mm -hmm. and I, when I was doing my notes and I, I had found it I just 
I hadn't mentioned it, but when you mentioned the stuff about Ray Wise not wanting to be the killer, I also saw that he was scared that he would be like, because he was revealed to be the killer that he wouldn't be on the show anymore. And that he really loved being on this show a lot. Yeah. And you know, was that was like his main worry. He, he didn't want to not be on the show anymore. Yeah. So I just think it really speaks to how great of an experience it was for the actors and for the audience. Yeah, I think that was Ben's main concern too. Like, it, yeah. I'm glad I'm not the killer because what if I get kicked off the show, you know? <laughs> right. Or not kicked off, but you know. Yeah, you know, they're not on anymore. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Do you have any final thoughts, Josh? No, I think I've said <laughs> them all and even <laughs> some more. Yeah, I do feel like I've said pretty much everything that I can think of at the moment about this episode, but I will just say it's a great episode. It's the start of a three episode run, in my opinion, that is rivals the very best of Twin Peaks. And I cannot wait to do the last two. And me too. I'm so excited. Hopefully we'll get Josh back for another one of them. And we definitely do have a special guest for episode nine. (laughs) Yes, Mm. we do. (laughs) So, Definitely come back to listen for that. Let's do our recommendations. All right. Do you want to go first? No, you go so that I can choose my Okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to choose the one that you said earlier. <laughs> <sighs> Rude. Well, you have another one. Yeah, but I could talk more about that one. Well, you can still talk. No. During. Well, my stolen recommendation (laughs) is going to be the, I think I've already mentioned it once, um, but I wanted to finish it off before I recommended it. Not because I didn't know it was good, but just because I wanted the full experience to talk about it. It's the HBO Max miniseries or limited series, Mayor of Easttown. Ooh, (laughs) I've heard Uh, nothing but good things about it. It is, I... I've been hearing a lot of, since it just ended a lot of my, and I've, it's like been one of the few shows that we've like kept up with like almost exactly to the day. So I've like not had to skip any podcast <laughs> recap things with spoilers, but it is, I would say definitely in the past couple years, even in the past decade, it's been one of the best television shows. Mm like one of the best written and one of the best acted. A lot of the podcast recaps that I've listened to have talked about how great the ensemble was mm-hmm. and how everyone is kind of giving a masterful performance and that it's probably one of Kate Winslet's best performances ever. Wow. And that's hard. Amen. to. I mean, that's pretty, Amen. a lot of good performances to choose from. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I think it's just a combination of her understanding what this character that she is and how well she just embodies it and all these like little nuanced things that I didn't even realize until I was listening to the recaps that other people picked up on and then also her like work on the accent because it's in that Pennsylvania Pennsylvania, like water is water and it's just crazy and it just really immerses you because everyone did perfect accent work Um, but it's just got it's got an all-star cast it's just got a great, great writing. And it's one of the few shows where I never saw a twist, never saw who the real killer was, never saw any of that coming. Like it was totally, everything caught me off guard <laughs> and it was just a great feeling to kind of 
just oh. fully go into a mystery and not kind of have it spoiled by anything. Oh, well, I'm definitely well, planning on watching that soon, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's the perfect descendant of Twin Peaks. I've read so many, yeah. so much, so many pieces about it, and they all reference Twin Peaks because there are so many similarities, and it's following that same sort of blueprint that, you know, we had in Twin Peaks that spawned the killing which was like the, right. to me was like the first show was like this is this wants to be twin peaks so bad oh, yeah. <laughs> and without the craziness <laughs> right without the craziness <laughs> and mayor of east town is dis sort of disguised as one of those shows yeah but being about something else and something more ultimately mm. you know by yeah. using this as a vehicle to tell an even you know <laughs> more nuanced and you know wonderful story and yeah i, yeah. I mean yeah i literally this could be my recommendation too because i could go on and, yes. on, and <laughs> on and on i have always loved kate winslet and yes. she is just ever since sense something... of sensibility <laughs> ever since <laughs> heavenly creatures for me but she's just she's just wonderful and jean smart uh, who is smart she in everything is... right now <laughs> She, yes. she should be if she's not <laughs> she should be in it because it would be better yes i'm sure one of her other shows very soon will be another recommendation of mine because it's really good so far yeah and i know realism is not really your favorite thing i do like a good murder but, mystery though yeah. yeah this one it's just really it's just it's so oh. good as long it's as very it's much like down in the dumps just because i mean and it's not that i don't no. like that but you know i just haven't been in the mood for it <laughs> I think it, it's definitely found the balance between being like having these kind of more morbid and depressing themes with not kind of just being like, oh, like, whoa, is this character? And right. look how terrible everything is. And I think it does also a really good job of handling like violence against women really well. It doesn't really showcase the violence. It doesn't showcase their like the dead bodies or anything like that. So I think it's a really good, it does a really good job of handling that without being too graphic or too kind of like, what would you call it? Like tortury porn, like murder porn yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I would definitely, if you have not watched it, it's it would be a great binge too. I would have a lot of fun oh, binging it too. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a lot. I can't it's really a lot, binge but... anything these days, but yeah, it's definitely, I'm going to, maybe I'll even start it like tonight because I've been the past week going, I can't remember anything that I want to watch at the moment. I know there's stuff, but I just can't remember what it is. <laughs> just text me and I'll send you 10. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Again, very Lynchian. There are so many funny moments. Yeah. Like yeah. you will, you know, just in a, any given scene. So awesome. Well, you've sold I think, me. I think you'll really, watch it. Yeah, I think I think you'll like it. I mean, if not just for Kate Winslet, and I was reading I'll do a an lot interview just for Kate with Winslet. her. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she she did so much preparation, maybe the most preparation in her life for this role, and she had such a hands on you know, work ethic and like the writer said he trusted her, like he knew, he felt like she knew more about the character than he did. And so she would just add lines, they would film something and she'd be like, no, you know what, actually Mare would do this and they'd film that and that's what they used. It was like, <laughs> wow. she's, you know, that's and amazing. that she, I read an interview in, in one of the love scenes, which they were talking about nudity, but I didn't feel like she was like, you saw anything you know, really. But anyway, but the director said something about, you know, that he would 
hide her, you know, belly fat or something. And she said, you better not. Don't you dare. <laughs> I you did know? hear and something just, today about her being like, I didn't want to wear any makeup. I wanted my skin to look bad. Yep. 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 I God, appreciate I that. <laughs> God, <I love> her. <laughs> well, what's your recommendation yeah. besides berries? <laughs> My recommendation is Kate Winslet. Okay. <laughs> I recommend her just as a, a goddess and icon. No, I think, oh, I think I told you about this, Maya. It's an Apple TV Plus docuseries called 1971. Yeah. And it is about the music that came from that year and, you know, uh, uh, wrapped up in you know, essentially a historical docu-series about what was happening at the time and why these artists were writing these songs. And it really covers the gamut of all these styles, but what just kind of blew me away, and I'm not even finished with it yet, is they focus on sort of different genres for each episode. And I think it's a six episode series, but how many amazing albums and songs came out or were recorded <laughs> that year. It is mind blowing because you're like, just when you think there couldn't be more, they'll go on to a new episode and it's like, oh, this whole crew, <laughs> you know? And it's like, you're like, what's going on? Marvin Gaye is the same year as Tapestry by Carol King came out, as Alice Cooper, you know, was becoming famous as, you know, and this is all just like, as the Beatles are breaking up. So Imagine came out that year, I think. I mean, it's kind wow. of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it, it's ridiculous. I did the but, thing you know, about I was... how I needed to watch that one the other day after you told me about it because that's like all the music that my parents Ex loved and oh, that's the only music yeah. I've ever listened to in my life. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. They, you know, do like, there's a lot about Joni Mitchell, Love. Elton John, Marvin Gaye, Curtis Mayfield, God, I wish I could think of more, but there, there, there's so many. It's, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Well, I'll have to watch both of those. Those are great recommendations. <laughs> My recommendation is probably, we might have, someone else, maybe Christian has recommended this before, like a long time ago, because it took me a really long time to get to it because I'm a scaredy <laughs> cat and cannot watch anything even remotely scary. I mean, well, I can watch Twin Peaks level scary, but nothing that's going to make me scream out loud. I can't watch by myself because it's not that I don't like them. It's just, I'll just sit there and be scared by myself. And that's still good. So anyway, I've been yeah. watching this show with my dad very, very slowly week to week. And we're a little over halfway done with it now, but every episode has been amazing. It's uh, Lovecraft Country, HBO Max. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely an yeah, out of date so recommendation, but that's, that's me, <laughs> the out-of-date recommendation <laughs> person. Yeah, it's so scary, but everyone is so good in it and so freaking gorgeous. I can't yeah, with yes. the <laughs> sexiness of everyone in this show. But every episode is like its own little horror movie experience. And yeah, yeah I just watched... It had like it was in Korea. It was involved in the Korean War. Oh, and it oh was gosh, a, that one was so good. <laughs> oh, that was so good. My sister's been telling me that there's one episode that scared her to death, and I thought it was that one for some reason. But I called her. I was like, "That's not the one you were talking about." I mean, it was a great episode, but it wasn't terrifying. Or <laughs> and she's like, "Oh no, 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 no." 
it's episode eight or whatever. I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not come yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we'll see how Oof. scary that is. But the first episode I was watching with my dad and I was like, ah! <laughs> and he was laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> that episode was scary. I know. Was I was like, really thank God good. I didn't try to watch this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so a lot of hbo max recommendations today <laughs> well yours is Apple uh, yeah and uh, close enough <laughs> there's just a lot of great stuff on television now yes. it's there like is. i could you know i could always have something to recommend it's impossible to keep up yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> i just realized that two of those uh lovecraft country actors are going to be in the mcu Really? They're gonna Yeah. Wunmi Mosaka who plays Ruby is gonna be in Loki, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah and then that. Jonathan Majors is playing King the Conqueror. Yeah. Who oh, he yeah. plays Atticus. He's the main guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I just watched the so we'll get Ruby more of episode them. a couple of weeks ago where she uh, she's put on a new She skin. might be my favorite part of that. <laughs> yeah, she's so good. She's actually. amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I can't her. wait to see the rest, but it's probably going to take me several more weeks just because <laughs> we're only doing one a week at the moment. It's it's worth just it. like normal, just like normal. Yeah. <laughs> and next week we are doing our final episode of Persuasion, chapters twenty two through twenty four. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And the week after that, we'll be coming back with episode eight and then nine. We're going to do both eight and nine back to back. Then we have our next check-in and we'll tell you what's coming next. I cannot believe how much we've accomplished at this point. We're like June 3rd. And so this is coming out. I know. This episode may be coming out the end of July, beginning of August. And um, wow. Yeah. This has been a great ride. And well, I can't yes. wait to figure out what we're going to do next. <laughs> yes. And I'm very excited for our, our summer break. Yeah. That- is very much deserved, especially on your end, for all the work that you do in <laughs> this podcast. I was like, you know, I don't know if it's better to do all the work at once because then it feels like I'm doing so much work. <laughs> but it'll be <laughs> nice to not have to do any for a couple months. And we'd love to hear from yes. you guys with any suggestions of what you'd like to see next because I've got like a million different ideas and I just have no idea which to pick. <laughs> So why don't you yes. guys give us an idea of what you'd like to see next or hear next? Yes, please. Uh, you can email us at mannersofmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersofmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersofmadness.com. Yes, and if you're at mannersofmadness.com, we have a support button there. We are thinking about doing a Patreon, and I just thought today, like, something cool we could do for that is review like the new dune that's coming out because i would love to do that it's related to us what we've covered before but it's not really david lynch or jane austen so you know we could do stuff like that so i'd love to hear from you guys about that (laughs) yeah yes i'm very excited for that me too all right well we'll see you next week with the final persuasion and until then i hope you have a great week everyone Yes, thanks Josh for being with us again. Yes, and thank you so hopefully much. Hopefully, we'll see you next episode, and we will see you guys next week. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>